Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. And that's right, Chelsea fans. We are back with part two of the Lesser Match review. If you're unfamiliar with this episode, the second one of the week, it is all about a deeper dive into the match review because we quite literally don't have enough time on the first one. So uh, obviously Dan and Nick joining me. Gentlemen, welcome back. It's just another another day, another city, Nick. It's glad to see you uh, woke up in the same same city for once. It's it's pleasant to uh, to to be here. Um, you know, San Francisco is balmy, balmy sixty eight degrees today. Cool, uh, quite lovely. Um, one might even say, Dan, a delight. Um, and and it's great, you know. And another week and a half here, and then I'm out. I'm done. We are inching closer and closer to our trip to London, which we haven't even talked about really. We should we probably haven't. maybe mention the fact that we are going back to London, uh, not not with our typical. XL Tours experience. Stay tuned for more information about that. But as the podcast group, we are heading to London to go watch Chelsea hopefully beat Liverpool, win a Carabao Cup match in the midweek, and beat Brighton, Brandon. Yeah, the trio is headed over. We are gonna gonna have a blast. Let's just keep it at that. But we are very excited uh, to get over there and check out... um, Obviously, the the vibes around Sanford Bridge with Frank in charge, and obviously catch up with friends that we have made over there. So if you're going to be around uh, between the 20th and the 29th of September, let us know. We'd love to meet up and, and catch up. Otherwise, um, yeah, we, we will have more on that coming. So in this episode, a lot of what we're going to be talking about are 
what happened? Minutes for Mishi? Question mark. Obviously, he got some today in the dev squad. Uh, what happens when Ruben Loftus Cheek comes back? And then obviously, zonal marking. What you doing? I mean, what in the hell is going on with zonal marking? Anyways, uh, real quick. Dan, iTunes views. I can't believe this. Every single day, they just roll in. They keep coming. It's it's like London buses, right? Eh? On theme for our talk about going to London. It's All perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grant UK ninety one and O Sherry nine both leaving some wonderful five star looks. Loves the fact though that Nick O Sherry was talking about that they don't have time for the bullshit for other with that other podcast might have and they really appreciate that we just get to business so <laughs> love the five star reviews on I, apple podcast keep them coming we will read them at the beginning of every episode and thank you so so much for helping us get noticed get connected with more chelsea fans because that's what those reviews do they help with search optimization and fun tech things like that they, they, she wrote that he or she wrote that um as if right to me directly which i appreciated it was great <laughs> uh well um if you've been thinking about jumping on the patreon bandwagon now is the time to do we're calling it. it we're calling it patreon now <laughs> patreon patreon but what get out of here anyways uh if you join our discord server which is the three dollar level a month or above we Okay, Dan is shipping London is Blue podcast stickers to everyone. If you're looking on YouTube, he is holding it up right now. Uh, if not, check out our Instagram as it is on there and probably our Twitter as well. Uh, but these people have all locked down a sticker. We've got Noah, Justine, Callan, Knox, Sterling, Matt, Benjamin, and Luke, and John. We will talk to you in the Discord server stickers are going to be shipping out this week. This promo only runs until Saturday. So hurry up and jump on board. Uh, It's going to be great. And there's still time to join the fantasy. We're only a couple weeks in, uh, so it's not too late. But I wouldn't really wait much longer than this week because uh, otherwise Nick might actually be far enough ahead that you can't catch him. No, he won't be. I'm so f- – I'm bad. I I'm, smashed I'm, you this week. You really did. did. I'm so ashamed. I, I really – my squad is just not turned up. Um, so when you lose to Brandon, that's not good. Um, but, yeah, like for, for everyone who's been a member for a really long time at the $3 level or higher – um, just thank you, first of all. And then um, at the end of this week, I think Dan's going to do a bulk shipping uh, thing to everyone. So if you're looking for timing or when you'll receive your sticker, you know, it'll be after um, after Sunday. So we want to make sure to give some more time for people to sign up. Absolutely. And I just checked, checked the score. It's actually 43-46, Nick. So embarrassingly oh, close I for me. Oh, I came back? Uh, all right. So anyways, uh, Nick, go ahead and wrap us up with some discounts for our loyal listeners. All right. Really quick. 10% off World Soccer Shop, code LONDONPOD. Uh, usually good for ch- uh, free shipping or um, some free customization. So whatever you want to do there. Uh, Talisman caps, uh, 10% off $35 or more, which is the approximate price of one of their lovely caps. Dan is wearing it on the YouTube version of this right now. With the code LONDONBLUE10, uh, you guys have been killing it by supporting us with Talisman. They love it, so keep that up. And then a classic football shirts mega sale coming to you next week. Uh, we'll have details of that coming very shortly. Uh, all of these things are just value adds for you for listening. Just a little, little thanks for you. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. So let's kick it off right away. We've got minutes or tactical issues is the first one up. So M. McAden 
I'm just taking a gamble on that one. Uh, it says, about the poor second half performance, how much would you credit the amount of minutes played midweek versus other factors like Lester making adjustments and Chelsea really not coping with them? Shoopy3 asking, was this just tired legs or were we legit outplayed by Lester? Also, why didn't Frank adjust when the match got away from us and it didn't, and it did. It did get away from us. We were very fortunate to leave with the point. And then Logan W. saying, do you still think Chelsea are getting unlucky? Question mark. They had tons of chances in the first half and were by far the dominant team. They could have been up three or more. At this point, does it come down to them not being fit enough or tactical enough? Uh, Nick, in your thoughts and kind of in your impressions now, you've had an extra day to let it absorb um a lot of people want to know was it fatigue versus tactics at this point uh, probably a little bit of both I mean you know I think it was you know what what you saw against Liverpool was like full concentration full tactical awareness for the most part for 120 minutes and and I think we played a very good game against Liverpool I think we we came on our show and we're really proud of the performance and how the team came out and and showed up um in this game, you saw that for about 25 minutes, and then you saw Dan some of the same uh, tactical errors, you know, open back line at the end of the game, some of the same stuff you saw against United. So it just, you know, b- between the tired legs, which clearly will pay a, play a part, and the mental fatigue at the end of the game, uh, you know, they just didn't perform their absolute best, and that uh, I think is probably a combination of a lot of things. Yeah, if I have to break it out into a percentage to really answer the the true question, I would say 60% tiredness, fatigue, and then 40% down to tactics, because I think to try and execute the tactics, you need to be able to run at the opposition for more than 15, 20 minutes, and as we started to get a little bit more tired, as we started to show signs of fading in our just in our kind of standards and our ability to connect with passes, ability to maintain our lines, that that's when things really started to go off the deep end. And so I think with a fit team heading into Norwich this weekend, Brandon, I would imagine that we will look a little sharper than we did and that should allow us to execute on the the tactics a little bit more. Exactly. I think it's a, it's a combination, right? When we were fresh, we were executing exactly how Frank won. I mean, he he talked about that. It's when we got fatigued. Again, I put a lot of weight into the fact that we played 120 minutes in Istanbul. If you listened to part one, you probably heard me ranting about it there. Uh, so to me, I think that's a big one. But, um, you know, M. McAden, I think credit should be given to Brendan Rodgers and Lester. I mean, they weathered that storm early on, and then they did make tactical adjustments and were able to you know, have a different impression on the match, especially in the second half. Um, and I think that that has something to do with it. Now, I think I, I started read somewhere, someone asked if Lampard got outmanaged by Rogers. I don't know if that's the case. Um, you know, it was probably easier to make tactical changes for Brendan Rogers. He's been in the job longer than Frank. He has a fresher squad. Frank has a much shallower bench at this point less people to call on like i actually have some some empathy for that in that sense and i just think that um you know it obviously tactics and and fitness go hand in hand but i wouldn't go so far as saying like lampard got outclassed or anything by by rogers or anything like that statistics show at the end of the match it was 
extremely 50-50 split down the middle. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. And Le- Leicester are a good team. They are not yeah, an amazing right. team, but they are a good team. And good teams have shown an ability across the league in the last one two seasons that a good team can be ultra competitive with even what we would classify as the top four, top six teams in the Premier League. It is not absolutely this gaping chasm of talent anymore. It's not. Competition's good. All <laughs> uh, right, next one is minutes for Mishi? Question mark. At Will Bleeds Blue says... At some point, does Mishi come into play? Part of me thinks we should have gone Mishi for Pedro and gone to a 4-4-2 to get the go-ahead goal. Well, Dan, conveniently today, three goals, three points, and a clean sheet in PL2. This is a tweet from the at Chelsea FC handle. Tony Rudiger gets 90 minutes. M. Batshuayi bags a brace. And Tino Andrin rounds off the scoring at Stanford Bridge. A good night's work. That's right, Dan. They put Mishian against the boys, and boy, oh boy, did he dominate. Yeah, he had a chance to feast, and it was wonderful. It's what Mishi is prone to do. And he also missed a ton of shots for those who were also watching or had a chance because it thankfully was streaming on the Fit Stand app. But yeah, A, Mishi wasn't available because it wasn't a part of the squad. B, I'm a little concerned that this was a fitness type of performance for him, that he wasn't actually, you know, either deemed fit enough or wasn't part of the structure of the squad over the last two Premier League games. It's interesting to me. And yeah, three, it's good to see somebody scoring goals. So I think, I don't know if he'll get minutes. I hope that he will because I think he can score and... I don't know, Nick. I mean, I think we have to be able to try all of them out and see if any of them can hit a run of form. Yeah, I mean, two Premier League matches, uh, zero goals from strikers. Both Olivier Giroud and Tammy both have a start. Um, you know, I think I think the team looks better with Giroud in there. And for people who listen to this podcast, they probably think I'm a broken fucking record at this point. But that's that's pretty much how I, I've always felt, uh, you know, the last couple of years. I think he's probably our best all-around striker but I mean again he had he, he had a couple of chances didn't really put them in uh, we need someone to score these goals um, it can't just be Mason Mount it can't just be you know the occasional Pedro goal we, we need him to come from everywhere and uh, you know N'Golo Conte almost getting one yesterday would have been really nice but you know if if Mishi is just kind of that guy who's in the right position at, at all times scoring crap loads of poached goals um that works for me too whatever whatever it needs to take i mean i don't think he is uh, maybe brandon as convincing in like a two up front based on what i saw in the preseason um so you know take that for what it is but uh you know i'd be willing to to give it a try at this point and you know if he's carrying an injury and needs to get back to full fitness that's a whole other thing though right you know um Mishi had some really good service today. I think that was a huge help. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he's not the best hold-up striker. He's very much an in-the-box poacher. But the way we play is the striker has to be involved in the build-up. They have to be kind of involved in getting the the ball down the field to get it into the box. And so I just kind of wonder if that's not his strong suit. And therefore, uh, you know, Lampard just needs more help going um, you know, getting into the attacking phase. So look, this is good for him. I, I was talking to um, 
oh, I think it was a uh, couch critic. Yeah, on on Twitter, and I was like, this, to me, this seems like a minor league baseball play. You send him down to the reserves, you get him some minutes, get him some confidence, and and then you bring him back up. I mean, I don't think we're going to see Mishi playing with the Dev Squad week in week out. This is a, a special circumstance. Then obviously Rudiger is a complete write off. This is purely to get minutes and get fitness, nothing more than that. But I think people are a little bit more concerned with Mishi. Um, well, he's a fan favorite. I think a lot of us are surprised at just how far down the pecking order he seems right now. Um, but you know, um, Lampard has a, has an idea. He has a thought and we'll, we'll see if Michi at the end of the day has to prove himself in training to, to deserve minutes. And, you know, I hope he, I hope he does. I hope he gets it. Well, and Frank Lampard in attendance at this match as well. Not the only he one. he is basically the all team manager for Chelsea. No. He is not just attending first team matches. He is going to dev squad matches, UAT matches. He is very much showing that this is a total club approach, which is very, very cool. And look, you have first team players going to the U18 match as well. You have literally the entire coaching staff at the match tonight. Um, yeah, look, this is this is that unity that that we've been talking about. That a lot of the season ticket holders uh, that people on social media love to to complain and bag about. This is the stuff they're talking about, and it and it makes a difference. All right, next one. Can we be successful with Conte and Jorginho? So Aerith Muggle asking, do you think we can be successful long-term with a Jorginho Conte 2 at the base? Personally, every time I see Conte marauding upfield, and I'm not sure we have anyone adequately screening our back four, I get a really uncomfortable knot in my stomach. Nick, look, Angola Conte can cover the entire earth on his own. But like Shane says here, his concern is what happens when he gets caught upfield and we get countered. I mean, Jorginho is not the best defender. We know that. Yeah, it, it was it was why when we were talking about the formation yesterday, Dan, that I was pretty sure that we were playing a 4-3-3 based on how far upfield N'Golo was. Uh, I think this is, this still has a lot of work to do, Aerith Muggle. I, I, you know, to me, I, you know, I still truly believe that N'Golo Conte is a world-class central defensive midfielder, that he can be a destroyer, that he can sit back, that he can protect a back four. Uh, so far, we haven't really seen him do that, to be fair. We've seen him much further upfield. We've seen him contributing to the attack and winning the ball higher up the pitch. But um, I, just the way we played in a 4-3-3 versus the way we play in a 4-2-3-1, right now it seems to me like a 4-3-3 might be the way to get a couple results under our belt. And um, if that's the case, then I feel a lot better um, that we have at least three midfielders doing a lot of good work. Um, I don't know how you feel, though, Dan. I feel like I am more concerned about the instruction than the formation. I, mean, I think we are getting into a lot of this formation analysis around 4-2-3-1 versus 4-3-3 or when it goes into being a 4-2-4 when we have, you know, where we're going at attack versus potentially dropping to like a, a five occasionally when we don't or we are going to a 4-4-2 and we don't have it because we're pressing the striker. Like to me, the more important thing is what are the instructions we're, we're giving the players? And if Conte has the instruction to be a, a full box-to-box midfielder, that's where maybe the concern for me is of whomever has to be partnered next to him has to also be someone who is an extremely capable box box midfielder. And this is where you were excited maybe that Bakayoko, again, earlier in the preseason, there was the hope that maybe the two of them together would absolutely give you this dominant force that would lock it down 
but that's not what's happening. I, I think where I might be excited and I might be leading into the next question a little too much, Brandon, but Do someone it. like Loftus Cheek partnering with N'Golo Conte, you know, be, as a two is way more exciting to me because they're going to give you the ability to really win the ball, turn it over, play it forward, but also move back quickly enough and kind of move in tandem to take care of business. Well, yeah, I think that's where we're kind of leading. So Chase asking, when Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes back, what's the best midfield combo? Three, right? Midfield three? Are you good with that? Yeah, I think so. I'd almost... You know, I think I think the battle when Ruben comes back is not necessarily with you know Kovacic and Jorginho because I think he just kind of adds to that group. I think it almost solidifies we play a four three three based on his uh, contributions last year in the left side of that three, uh, and I think the battle really then becomes your Barkley, your Callum, your Pulisic. You know, the the front three right now as as they're operating. Um, and Pedro and William and all these guys, I think it, it really shores up the, a really small amount of opportunities for, for quite a few of those guys because when he's on and he scored 10 goals last year and, and basically a half of a season with you know all the injuries he had, you have to put him in the team. I, I just We don't have anyone else like him, Dan, and I don't personally see him as a as a pivot guy um i don't i don't know if he tracks back well enough i don't know if i agree with that i think he, some of the runs that he kind of was able to pull back and play forward he's probably one of the best technical dribblers of the ball on our team currently um yeah, i mean he was basically number two behind hazard last season in terms of just being able to finesse the ball around players and at six four just is stupid that he should be able to have that level of finesse. But yeah, I mean, I think you have to figure out how do you get your best players on the pitch? And if you start kind of going by a hierarchical standing and say like Ruben Loftus-Cheek is a top, you know, 10 player, then, you know, or top three player, then who else are we going to kind of maybe makes way for him? And I think that's where the conversation is going. Brandon is if, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek comes in, who is potentially going to miss out? And I think, you know, it could be, Someone like Pulisic, it could be someone like an extra attacker, you know, maybe, you know, and, you know, crazily enough, I mean, Conte tried it. He was trying Ruben in a top two. Like, is it potentially an option for Ruben to kind of play like a shadow striker, play as a, you know, if we play a, a four, um, four, four, one, or, uh, you know, with the, the one striker and then Ruben right behind him, I mean, that's an option too. Four four one one. Yeah. You know, I, look, Ruben's a box-to-box guy. He is great when he's running at people. Um, to be fair, though, we've seen him have some nasty turns in the midfield and stuff like that with pressure on his back. Um, but, you know, if you... I, I still like the four three three with him in there because he can cover so much ground, especially Ingola Conte can cover so much ground. You know, and then you're leaving, I think, Kovacic and Jorginho to fight out for that holding spot. If you still play three across the front, depending on how you do it, um, you can almost play at the false nine. Anyway, I, I I don't know. I still like the the four three three situation with them in it and um I, I want him to run. I want him to run at people, I want him to run back, destroy people, I want him to do what he does. Uh and that's exactly it. So Yeah, like when when he's healthy the two players that are under the most threat from his return are Ross Barkley and Mason Mount, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and it's not because neither one of them are good enough. It's just that Ruben 
uh, especially with a lack of height on this team, you know, you know, besides our striker, he just adds something on set pieces that we don't, we don't currently have with those guys. And, and also is just, you know, again, like Dan said, a wonderful dribbler of the ball. I think a really great passer of the ball and was improving last year before he got fucking hurt again. Um, and then, you know, chipped in some really good goals. He started to just make that kind of left side of the 18 yard box shot his, um, and, and a couple, you know, the one against Brighton, Dan was unstoppable. So, uh, you know, if he's going to do that and he's going to contribute goals and he's going to, you know, be a, a, uh, you know, steal, uh, type of guy in the midfielder, you know, in the midfield, he's, he's in for me. Yeah. I would rather Frank Lampard have selection headaches than not have, uh, be looking at his roster and thinking there's not enough players there. Amen. All right. Well, I like that. Um, Okay, well, hold up. Let's take a let's take a really quick break. Again, huge thank you to these sponsors. They support us financially, so we appreciate you all listening to them. When we get back, we're gonna be talking about zonal marking and formations. Uh, then we're gonna be talking about youth versus experience. Maybe even a little bit of William sprinkled in when it comes to experience. So again, we will be right back. All right, back at it. We're going right into zonal marking. Pablo Tescobar asking zonal marking. Why are we using it to defend free kicks and corners when it is clearly ineffective? Eosine asking, how do we improve on set pieces? It is not ever going to be as simple as man marking, as we're a pretty short side, which is why we're marking zonally in the first place. Look, Nick, I know you love a good zonal marking, okay? Um, but I'm love interested it. in the fact that like we are a short team. Do you think that plays into it? To me, it's I'm confused because Frank seems like your old English guy. You on him, you on him. That's it. Don't get beat. But... He, he's not. I, I mean, there are probably a couple of factors at play. And, uh, you know, without diving into each individual tactic, I think outside of Zuma, maybe Christensen, maybe Tammy and or Olivier, I don't see a lot of really good set piece defenders in there um, from a man marking perspective. It doesn't mean to me, by the way, that they shouldn't try um, because I think you know, anytime you have Zuma just kind of standing there in the middle of space, I'm just like, that's such a wasted, you know, such a wasted moment for him. He should just be able to latch on to the other team's best set piece threat and, and give him a real challenge for the ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, height factors into it. I also think that the way Chelsea want to break factors into it uh, on offense, Dan, like, should we be able to defend one of these <laughs> set pieces for once? Uh, being in a you know being in space instead of being latched onto someone allows you to break quicker uh, the other way. So I think it all does factor in. Uh, I just I don't love it if I'm honest. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think the concern around height is definitely one that jumps to top of mind for me, and a lot of it's also commitment. It's just a desire to want to beat the man and own the box and not allow the other person to just worm their way out of potentially the block that you've kind of placed them in. So as much of it is just, it's a lot of it's desire. And I think we have a lot of mental lapses. You see that, you know, we get players shrugged off on, we have players who maybe aren't attending or kind of being aware of where that runner is going or where that runner is coming in from behind them. So I, I just think that there's a lot in terms of commitment and coaching on this piece 
that because in, until you have taller personnel, maybe even a little bit stronger personnel to really make it difficult for the def- you know the opposition team, I, I just I don't foresee us getting stronger on set pieces in, until some of that's resolved and part of that's personnel, Brandon. Yeah, you know I think that um, it's not always a desire. It's also awareness. Think of the goal we gave up against Leicester. Asby didn't realize Ndidi was on his back shoulder. Um, it is the same thing when I think it was it wasn't the Liverpool goal. It must have been one of the United goals. Again, Asby didn't check his back shoulder, and then Martial ran right across him and thighed it in. Uh, and I think that's a big part of it is is just awareness and. I'm not trying to pick on Aspi Laqueta right now. That's not my my agenda. Um, you know, so the players also have to be switched on and aware and and know if they're in their zone, you, you have to go attack the ball and 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 do that. But you know, part of the reason I like the man to man is that you get to kind of knock them off their desired path from the beginning. You're able to jump into them a little bit, and knock them off balance. There's tactics you can do even if you're beat to the ball to make it impossible for them to get a clean look at it. And zonal, when you're beat, you're beat. But here's the thing. I have to caveat this is, I mean, Smaritio did it. Frank's doing it. Other people do it and do it well. It's just not working for Chelsea for some reason. But it can't, clearly it has value. Otherwise, people around Europe wouldn't do it. Just us as fans don't get it at all. We just, you know, well, unfairly I, I, judge it maybe. I, I think we would get it if we saw some successful use cases ahead of it. I mean, I think that's where we're struggling. It's like, I know when Virgil van Dyke lock, locks onto somebody in the box that the likelihood of them getting a, a header on frame is, is dramatically goes down. You know, I think Kurt Zuma could very easily play that role. You know, I I understand why you would leave, you know, your tallest player at the front so that, you, you know, you know, the opposition pulls a, pulls a willy in and doesn't, you know, get it past the first man. But, at, you know, at the same point, like, Frank Frank has analyzed this. I trust him. I, I want him to, you know, to be able to to pull off his philosophy. But, but man, it's tough to watch a free header go in after we just did, a you know, all year of that last year. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, look, obviously people get beat man-to-man. It just seems like statistically it's – you know, a better option. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that, see if height plays a difference, but we're not really a tall team in general. So we're going to have to figure something out. Man City aren't a tall team, but they figured it out. So um, maybe take a page out of their book. Uh, So Miles underscore G10 saying, should the 4-3-3 be our preferred formation, especially since it works so well against Liverpool midweek? Uh, Again, Dan, I've kind of caveated this in part one of, you know, I don't think the uh, formation is the answer right now. I think there's a lot of other things go into it, but, um, as you look ahead to Norwich, you know, they play open, you know, they're attacking team. They love that. Uh, you know, a four, three, three is an option uh, as always for Chelsea. I think that's the good news. That's where we need to look at it. Is this that we have options within the formations that we can use. And obviously we want to stop the Pookie party and prevent him from just running havoc. You know, obviously he's done very well in his first two appearances absolutely just destroyed it last week with his hat trick 
So, yeah, you got to be concerned about the pace that they might try to come out with us, you know, trying to force a, a breaking of that that line. And, you know, maybe with the three of Kovacic, Jorginho, and Conte, you're going to have a little bit more security than you would. But, again, yeah, it's, it's how well can those then come forward and feed the attack. I mean, I think that you know, we saw you, know, you need to be able to keep the possession of the ball. You need to be able to retain that possession and keep it in the attacking phase as well. So it's not just those midfielders, but I think it's the Pulisic, Pedro, William, Giroud, Mishi, whomever it is, Nick, that are going to have to really do a whole lot heading into the Norwich match because if we give the ball away, you know, they are, look, a newly promoted team, but they have the look of a fighter. Yeah, yeah, this is not going to be easy. Um, you know, I as a caveat, this is not going to be easy. Theme of Chelsea season, okay? Um, this is, uh, to me, just going to be a really difficult year. I mean, beyond the fact that when we play every average goalkeeper, they have the best game of their of their career against us, and you know, you're you're going to come up against a, a striker in form. You know, I think that Chelsea still have to find a way to win. Um, they have to win. And once you win, the, the confidence of winning is kind of within your team. I think we have to exercise a, a couple of those demons this week. I would go, you know, a little bit more attacking against, you know, Norwich. So I could I could see a 4-2-3-1 if the right personnel was in place, in place personally. But... Um, that to me, the four two three one, I think works best right now with Jorginho and Kovacic in the pivot, um, and that that would mean taking Golo Conte out for a week, which I you know I don't know if I'm super comfortable with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot in there. Four three three has looked so far like our best formation just from a, a style of play. Uh, Brandon, but you know it, it will depend on the press and what Lampard wants to do up top. Tiny sample, guys. We're talking very, very small sample. Four three three also looked like shit with Bakioko and Drinkwater in it, so it's not yeah, like it's. But that, I mean, outliers. Come on, like with with the team, with the real team in there. It's yeah, that's when that's like, like store brand level, you know. Okay, we're getting the real GIF. We're not going and getting the bargain basement. Hey, all I'm just saying, it's not like it's just a magic bullet. Like you have self to execute. Like I said, maybe it was the right matchup for Liverpool. We only have one sample. I think that it's good that we hopefully have some options, but it's good to point out we played 4-2-3-1 quite a bit in preseason. It was okay. We've used the 4-2-3-1 in both of our Premier League matches. It's been terrible. So we'll have to kind of see. But I expect adjustments from Frank. I think that's something that he will do. He's going to make changes heading into this Norwich match. And uh, formation could be one of those things. Definitely substitutions, I'd expect. All right. So the the last one that we have here is uh, youth versus experience. So big Joshy81 saying, do we just go complete young team once everyone is healthy? Get Pedro, William, and Aspie out of there? And then on the other end, Mr. Thurman saying, William, sell him before the end of the European window, question mark. Could Kennedy be worse than whatever that was? So this is something that we know that we pretty much know Lampard's stance on, experience versus youth. He's leaning very heavily towards the youth, but you kind of have a couple extremes here of <laughs> Big Joshy and Mr. Thurman are giving us situations where it's all youth. 
you're you're selling William. You're you know putting Ruben, Callum, Mason, Pools, everyone that you know twenty five and under is the new rule. Uh, so there are a couple of things here. Like let's let's take William as as the first option. Dan, um, he was just given the number ten. Um, he has a two year kind of lease essentially, um, un- unless he's you know doing a David Louise and causing problems in the dressing room. I don't think attrition is the right answer for us right now, considering we can't go replace him. Uh, add into the fact that Callum Hudson-Odoi has not yet signed his five-year contract or that it's not yet been announced. Um, that would seem like a fool's errand to me, even though he did not play well uh, at the weekend. Ooh, what a rumor that it's signed but not official, potentially. Ooh. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm here to start rumors on the show. <laughs> A lot of people said Callum's would be announced by now, Dan. Obviously, it's not. Uh, you know, care for youth even saying, "Hey, my bad. I said it was done. It's not." He still seems to think that it is done, just not public. Um, and obviously, knowing your agenda against Aspilicueta and William, clearly you want all the youth. <laughs> obviously, this trend will continue. <laughs> oh, that's great! It's so wonderful. You're you're the best, Brandon. Your 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 sass this season. Has I hear that a lot. Parallels. You are you are. Sass. You are in mid-season form. You are Champions League semi-action sassitude right now, and it is just the best. Wonderful. Uh, anyway, I think that you can't go full youth. I think that you have to have a mix of the experience and then have the younger players brought into the side in a thoughtful manner. Uh, you know, but you look. You know, you talk about look. We, we're we're fielding. Premier League proven players like Kurzuma, like Christensen. We are playing Azpilicueta right now. You have Kepa, who's got a full season now in. So, yes, while we're seeing opportunities for Mount and opportunities for Tom, you know Tammy, they're also in positions of huge need where the competition in those positions is a little higher. I think Reece James will not walk right into replacing Azpilicueta, but I think he's going to push the push the envelope he's gonna make it you know hopefully difficult because in all these positions i just want the best player to play and if it is the youth that's great if it is the more experienced player that's fine too because whatever lineup that goes out there and gets three points on saturday and then on the following saturday and the next match after that nick is the lineup that i want out there and i think it's we have put you know someone in place to go make those tough decisions and i think Frank will have to figure out what's the appropriate balance of youth to experience in these lineups. Yeah, I mean, speed factors in, experience factors in, like all these things. You need a balance in your team. You know, again, we, we said this, and, and our friends at the fan cast have said this too. If we just played all the youth, uh, as they're affectionately known, um, in this team, we'd, we'd finish in the relegation zone legitimately. Um, you know, there, there does need to be experience. There does need to be world-class talent. And, um, you know, N'Golo Conte ain't moving anywhere um, for, you know, someone, anyone. You know, I think Olivier Giroud is going to give Tammy all he can handle up front. And, and then Bats has to combat or combat both of them. Um, you know, if, if you think that Asby is just going to uh, let Reese James take his job, I think you're... You haven't watched the last seven years of what a fiery competitor he can be, um, you know. And and William just was given the number ten shirt. 
and we'll see if he uh, lives up to that reputation. You know, he's been Brazil's number 10. He was number 10 at Shakhtar. Um, there, there's a lot to consider here, but I would guess that competition will breed good results for us. And when Callum comes back and Ruben comes back and Reese comes back and Rudiger comes back and all these guys that are injured are back, it's only going to be good for this team. You know, the, you, there, there are too many matches as well uh, for, for just a starting 11 to be out there for 56. It's just never going to happen. Right. I think that's, that's like the good part about it is we have a lot of minutes to play. I mean, geez, we've already experienced that in the first week of the Premier League season. We need the depth. Depth creates competition, especially these young players. And I think with Mason, you know, kind of being the first to break through, he's really going to motivate the Callum and the Reese James, I think, to not settle for being on the roster. They're not going to be a squad player. They're going to be looking for their chance to get time because they know if they get close, Frank's going to go with the youth. You know, as long as you're close to the senior player, he's going to go with the youth because there's a long, long, you know, career ahead of them, uh, you hope. And also, I mean, that's what Frank wants. Frank wants Chelsea players in the lineup. And he also wants to create the pathway for these players to get because he understands how important it is. I'm sure Jody has talked his ear off about how valuable that pipeline of players. Um, anyways, it's just, yeah, so, so important. Well, and, and Brandon, that that's a key point though, the valuation and not to get like too much in the financial side of it. But if you think about it this way is that you make, you know, somewhere in the range of 70 to 80 million pounds for being, in the Champions League. You make somewhere, if you went in and get deep into it, 39 to 42 million for being in the Europa League. If you get three or four players that become first team players who are English and homegrown, as we've seen Maguire go for 80 plus, let's just say all of them average out to being around 40. So now you have 160 million pounds of players that you have produced that you don't have to go out and buy it is almost better, just from a financial standpoint, to get four players who become first-teamers for Chelsea this season than to qualify for the Champions League again. Yeah. Well, again, uh, they got to prove themselves, but the good news is Frank is ready to give them opportunities, which is great. Um, it is super, super great from Frank. So Super great or just uh, regular yeah. great? I mean, super Frankie Lampard, super, super great. Just it rhymes Nick, you know what I'm saying? Um, anyways, with the with the lesser match, is there anything else you guys maybe pulled out that we haven't talked about at this time? Anything that you've noticed or, or maybe want to kind of connect the dots on? Dan, anything anything else? No, nothing else. I, I think the one thing that I was really enjoying was going back through and looking at the photos that everybody had. They were sharing the Insta stories that people had when we were great listeners dane you know he and his daughter ran into callum outside the bridge and just like the the energy the atmospheres even after two results or three results that maybe didn't go our way necessarily everybody's still in a great spirit everybody's in a great mood nick and that that's a good thing that's what i saw what about you yeah um it was cool that uh mason mount reposted our insta story to his <laughs> that was pretty cool um, Love our boy Mason. My deep ass hungover voice uh, on his Insta story is probably not welcome. Mason, to yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah. go get him. Uh, so that was cool. Um, and yeah, just again, 
patience is the operative word this season. If, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like this team isn't living up to early expectations, if you feel like there's not a, you know, a real strategy involved or whatever, I mean, we have to give them time there. You know, my, my dad uses the phrase, you have to break a few eggs to make a cake, you know, um, it's, it's going to be that a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, we, we do this every week and we've done it for 300 and whatever, 45, eight episodes, 348 episodes. Uh, so I think our appetite for patience is probably there already. Um, but, you know, again, I, I just really want people to enjoy the uh, maybe a little bit of the struggle this year, because the ideal scenario is that we are back and better than ever when we can buy the appropriate talent to fit the needs of this team after we kind of give them all a chance to prove themselves. Right. That's that's it. I mean, just listen to the fan cast. They said the Cock Tavern was absolutely full, shoulder to shoulder. Can't they wait. said, you know, these spirits are so high, even after the Man United result. You know, Lester wasn't great, but everyone is still so positive on having Frank at the helm. There's just an un, an overwhelming amount of confidence with them. And I think, look, they've been living it for decades. They have a good idea, um, you know, what what the the vibes are around the club and if there's if it's a good moment for the club or not. And they couldn't be happier which gives me uh, a lot of confidence and excitement as well. So, uh, again, a lot of things we covered today, uh, experience versus youth, talked about zonal marking, our best formation, what do we do with Ruben Loftus-Cheek when he's healthy, Conte, Jorginho, are they a good double pivot? What do we do with Mishi? Um, what else? Oh, and then obviously uh, fatigue versus tactics at the very, very beginning. So, let us know what you think on social media. Email us, you know, whatever you need to do to get a hold of us. And then obviously a reminder, we're doing the special offer of shipping you a London is Blue Pod sticker for free if you join our Discord. Uh, that place is blown up today. Uh, Shane started a thread saying, who are your 10 favorite Chelsea players of all time, which is really, Whoa. really cool, oh right? My God. Yeah, so there's oh. some really cool lists going on in there right now with people. And again, it's not best, it's just favorite. So it's completely subjective. So uh, that's what you can get in the Discord server. So check it out. Um, we will be back after this weekend's match, Chelsea fans. So you get a couple days off from us, uh, but we will. We will be back delivering the goods after Norwich. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Deuces.